0: But I've actually launched a pre-loved collection on my website now, which I'm really, really proud of. And it's something that I've thought about for so long, but I, I, I probably only had the confidence to actually do it off doing the coaching and knowing that I had the time to do it understanding the the logistics behind it as well. So I have a buyback service. So say, for example, a mum will order a romper for their little little baby. The baby will wear the romper. You know, time and time again, my items last so long. They wash so well. You know, mum's tell me this all the time. Once that romper, very sadly, because mums do not like giving me rompers back because they're like, no, I I love it so much. But once the time comes and the romper doesn't fit anymore, that mummy can then send that romper back to me and I will buy the romper back from them. So, the buyback service. So, not only are they doing their bit for the environment, the piece of clone they bought from me, you know, six, 12 months ago is actually an investment piece because they know that I'm going to buy that item back from them.
1: Welcome to the She Leads Business Show, where I shine the spotlight on female owners of growing small and medium sized businesses. You're in the right place if you want to ditch the stress and firefighting, stop working too many hours despite having team members, and never compete on price again. I'm Una Doyle, founder of CreativeFlow.tv. I'm a speaker, business strategist and impact coach. Business owners hire me to help them to build a business they could sell tomorrow but they probably don't want to because it's highly profitable, it's fun to run because they and their team are in creative flow and they get to make a bigger impact on the world in every episode myself and my guests share the strategies stories and wisdom to help you to achieve this too now let's get on with the show hey folks we have some technical issues with the sound on my guest's audio it only lasted for the beginning part of the episode. So there's a few places where I have inserted a little summary of some things Debbie shared that I wanted you to know. And there's some bits where we've included the original audio because I really wanted you to hear things for her. So please excuse the not 100% stellar quality of the sound. It's not too bad. It's good enough to listen to. <laughs> I just want you to understand it's only for the beginning of the episode. After that, it's uh, it's pretty good. Okay, let's get started. Hello, 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 and welcome back to She Leads Business. And I am absolutely delighted to have with me today someone who I know very well, Debbie Marsden, who is the founder of Lola Pops. So you can find her on the internet where she is selling her boutique style limited edition handmade children's clothing that lasts. Debbie's got an amazing story. I'm really excited to get into that. So, welcome, Debbie. Hi, Eunice. I'm sorry, me. Oh, you're welcome. Great to have you here. So, Debbie, I want to ask you some questions about some things that I don't know about you. (laughs) So, obviously, over the last year or so, we've got to know each other quite well. What was it like for you growing up? Are you part of a big family, a small family? What does that look like for you? Well,
0: I'm part of a really big family. I'm one of six children. So... As you can imagine, it was absolute carnage in my house, really noisy. But I had the best childhood, some absolutely fantastic memories. But I think that's probably why I'm quite a, you know, not, I wouldn't say a chaotic person, but like, because there were so many of us in the house, there was stuff going on all, all the time. I'm one of them people that are never happy unless I'm doing something or something's going on. So that really does stem from my, my busy background.
1: So what was your favourite subject in school?
0: My favorite subject was textiles because I was in it with my best friend, and we used to have a right laugh and you know like, and it was all about like designing you know like the the you know fact sheets and things like that. but that is where I actually learned how to thread a basic machine. I remember learning how to make a little baby's play mat, I made a bin cover, I made a little wrap sixties wrap skirt in year eleven so that's where my basic sewing skills came from I did love all the all the subjects honest with you but my two favorite ones was textiles and PE.
1: Debbie shared that in addition to gymnastics she also did dancing a bit of trampolining and also played netball. How do you think your upbringing has shaped who you are now?
0: My upbringing like I said you know I've had an amazing upbringing and I always get a bit emotional when I, when I think about my upbringing. Sorry it makes me me think about my dad cuz i lost my dad 14 years ago now he died really suddenly of a heart attack it was a real shock to all of us and at the time i was i was 26 but my younger sister she was 10 and my brother was 14 it was a massive massive shock to the whole family we didn't have much money but we never ever ever went went without we went on holiday. I looked back to my child and it was so happy. And I looked to my mum and dad and looking back, like how hard they work to provide for us. Yeah, and it yeah, it's just sad that I lost my dad so young. He was only yeah. 49.
1: That is. You have. It, it, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you've, I mean, that's part of your journey has been learning how to accept help.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I do feel like I am getting much better at that now. Juggling a young family as well as trying to run your own business and a house, etc., is absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done. It really is tough.
1: Debbie was the first person in her whole family to go to university and she remembers feeling really proud when she got accepted. So off she went to Liverpool, John Moore, to do her PE teaching for a four-year degree. And as she was the first one to fly the nest, she remembers her mum crying her eyes out when she dropped her off on her first day.
0: I absolutely loved being a teacher. It was like, it was my life. And I've said this to so many people, like I, I can't, when I first started teaching, but was the first five or six years of being a teacher, I was living the dream. I can't remember a day where I didn't wake up and thought, you know, when you have thought like, oh God, I can't believe I, I don't want to go to work. I never have ever, ever felt like that. I had such a fantastic department that I worked with, particularly one where one person. In fact, the kids that we used to teach because we were both PE teachers used to actually call us Anton Deck because we were just crazy and we just bounced off each other so well. And the kids absolutely loved us. And I know that I, I impacted so many children's lives by, you know, making the PE lessons like really fun, really engaging. And I got, you know, I got so much enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I loved it. So everything about teaching, it it was brilliant.
1: A while after returning to work, Debbie found herself pregnant again. And when it came to maternity leave with her second child, Poppy, they decided that two children, the childcare costs and all of that, just not financially feasible. So she agreed with the school to be able to go back part-time as well as keep some responsibility. Debbie's always been ambitious and she always wanted to strive for the next level.
0: And then, unfortunately, shortly after returning back to school, after having Poppy in my second, I found out I was pregnant again. It was such a shock. I was like, oh, my God, we're not planned this last three. How are we going to cope? But as you do, you find out you're pregnant and then you start imagining your life with like, oh, my God, I've got three children. I can't wait. And unfortunately, that pregnancy ended up being an ectopic pregnancy. And it was a really, really hard emotional journey for me from that stage. And I ended up being rushed to hospital. I had emergency surgery. I I lost my left fallopian tube. I was basically told that I wouldn't be able to have any more children. And even though we'd not planned to have three, absolutely just, it was like I'd been hit by a ton of bricks. And I think after having two successful pregnancies, it was just, I just weren't prepared for it. And I remember I was in hospital for a couple of days after I had the surgery. And I remember my husband saying, you've caught with this really well. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And it actually only really hit me. I remember walking down the corridor, leaving the hospital, and it hit me like what had actually happened to me over the space of about 48 hours. What What had happened? I mean, looking back, I honestly think I had severe depression.
1: Debbie didn't choose to go to the doctors at this point. Stemming back to issues previously mentioned about having challenges, accepting help.
0: And uh, I just remember being so unhappy. I I can only describe it as having a a grey cloud of doom above my head. I remember saying to my husband, I don't think I'll ever be happy again. It It was the hardest six months of my life, it really was. And having two really young children to look after as well. And dealing with kind of like, like, well, grieving. It it was grief, really. So, the baby that I'd never meet, you know. So, it was really tough. So, as I am, I got, you know, carried on, carried on, carried on.
1: But when Debbie went back to school after the summer holidays and checked her timetable, there was only one PE lesson there.
0: I'd lost a baby. I was grieving that. I was dealing with all the emotions that came with that, struggling to. You know, parent two young children as well at the same time, and that was just like the final nail in the coffin. And I don't know how I got through those months at school. And again, looking back now, I just I thought to myself, I was ill. I was I was mentally ill. I should have gone to the doctors, and they would have signed me off like that.
1: Debbie rocked up every day. Some of her classes were with the child development group, and teenage girls. They weren't particularly nice. And Debbie actually felt that even though she was the teacher, that she was being bullied by them. I was in such
0: a fragile state of mind back at that stage. And I remember some days pulling myself together, going teaching to teach my lesson, holding it together just about for my lesson and coming back to my desk and just weeping and I mean, and that was happening on a daily basis. But I did start feeling a little bit better. And one, one day randomly, I was watching the Great British Sewing Bee on telly. And I just got this overwhelming urge because obviously I'd done a bit of textiles at, at GCSE. I knew how to thread a machine, but I've not touched a sewing machine since like being 15. And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to buy a sewing machine. I'm going to buy a sewing machine, and I'm going to I'm going to start sewing.
1: Debbie spent forty pounds on a secondhand sewing machine, and over the next few days, when her mum was planning on throwing away some old dresses, she caught them. Nope, don't throw them in the bin. She thought, I'll use that fabric. So I made Lola and Poppy a couple of little dresses.
0: I made Poppy a, a second birthday little dress, and it wasn't long until people were like. Oh, my God, where's Lola's dress from? That's absolutely gorgeous. And like, oh, my God, look at Poppy's little leggings. Where are they from? And I was like, oh, I've I've made him. And saying that phrase, I've made that or I've made them, it made me feel so, I can't even, I feel like I'm really geeky when I'm saying this, but it made me feel so happy. When I tell people my story... I honestly say that sewing made me happy, it really did. It was just once I started sewing and making stuff for my children and seeing them in the things that I'd made them, it was like the grey clouds lifted, it really was. And and funnily enough, not long after starting sewing, I actually fell pregnant with my little rainbow baby, Grace. And when I was pregnant with Grace, my third, she's, she's five now, but that's when I got really serious about sewing. I was obsessed with, like, Making making grace clothing, she was she was basically the best dress baby on the ward, and it was actually my mum who came up with the name Lola Pops, and I was like, because obviously Lola is my first daughter, Poppy's my second daughter, it just made sense. So Lola Pops was born and yeah and I I launched the the Facebook page the support I got when I first set up that page was absolutely amazing it was brilliant and that kind of spurred me on even more and so that's where my kind of sewing passion came from really and and then soon after that I think I was around about 20 weeks pregnant with Grace and the school that I was teaching at were actually making redundancies. At the time, they said that they were overstaffed in PE, overstaffed in a few more areas. And I just said to my husband, Do you know what? I know that I can make a business out of doing what I'm doing. If I don't take this opportunity now, I know I'm going to be stuck in teaching forever. And with my husband's support, I was 20 weeks pregnant at the time and I left teaching. And honestly, I've never looked back since.
1: Debbie, that's such a such a powerful story, and I'm I'm sad that you had to go through that topic, pregnancy. I can't even begin to imagine what that must be like, and I'm I'm really grateful that you watched the sewing bee that day, and you had that urge. and I think when we when we follow these deeper intuitive feelings, then actually it, it can make a huge difference to our lives. And it's funny because I started sewing from following my intuition. <laughs> as well and that has changed my life and and I totally get what you mean when you say people like you know when you get to say thanks I made it 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 is such an amazing feeling
0: (laughs) it really is it it makes you so proud of yourself it it is it's brilliant it's addictive almost
1: (laughs) absolutely the great thing is is that you know from your grey clouds of doom has actually come about such a colourful joyful business and Mm. folks you know you've got kids or you know people with kids then go check out debbie's website lola-pops.com because the everything about it you know all the clothes that you produce they're just they're just so colorful they're bright they're fun they're quirky they're creative i think that you know it brings out all those things about you Kind of come through the clothes, and then young children get to feel that confidence. I just think it's so it's poetic, almost, isn't it? And it's to have had something so great come from such a hard time. I think you know, if you were if you were to encounter someone else going through what you were going through at that time, what advice would you give them? I don't. I
0: don't know. I don't think. I don't think advice is the is the right word because I don't think you can give advice to somebody who's going through that I feel like they have to go through their own journey but I think what I'd definitely do is be there for that person and make them know that I've been through it I know what they're going through and always say to them you know I'm I'm at the end of the phone you know offer to go meet up with them for coffees because it is a lonely lonely place and and I think for me when I went through the baby loss because because it was so early on I mean I was I was seven weeks pregnant and and I think that's what made it worse because in my head, I was like, oh, I was only seven weeks pregnant. It, 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 just, it, I felt like other people thought it didn't matter. And because it's like, you know, before the 12 weeks, I never, I didn't even tell people about it. You know, even my own mum didn't know until my husband had to ring her and say, Debbie's in hospital having an operation. You know what I mean? That's how people, it was me and my husband knew that was it. And I think that's what made it more difficult because I, fe- I felt like I couldn't speak to people about it and I feel like that's what made me struggle even more because people didn't know what I was going through and I just kept it to myself. So yeah, so anybody going through that, you know, the might be people listening to this now who, who have experienced that I was actually going through that themselves and I would say even though I didn't do it at the time is talking to people about it or finding somebody who has gone through what you're going through because for me that that is the best thing in my opinion to do. So yeah, so I've and I'm always one of them people, even like as a mum, you know, I will tell motherhood as it is, you know, if I've had an absolutely awful day, I will tell people, you know, oh my God, I've had the worst day ever. This has happened, this has happened, this has happened. Because I feel like sharing them feelings of mum guilt is just so refreshing. And not everybody does it. People feel like, and I think social media has a lot to play with this, but people feel like they have to have this perfect life or they're on social media and they're looking at other people's lives and they're seeing these perfect lives and it's having such a negative influence on the way that they view their own life and they're comparing themselves to other people over time, especially other months. And, yeah, just, I mean, and I am still guilty of doing that to this day, but I, I realise when I'm doing it and I can stop and say, no Debbie. Facebook isn't real, like no, you know, so yeah
1: well i I think that's very powerful, and what we'll do is we'll make sure to put some organizations of you know around miscarriages that people can reach out to if they're in that situation because there there is support out there, and I think thankfully, things are talked about more and more, you know mental health is a is a big topic in and of itself, and you know when whether it's something very situational like this. I think you're right. I think just to be around people who understand, you know, as you say, it's not advice necessarily. Maybe the only advice is just don't keep it to yourself.
0: Mm. Yeah, talk talk about it, definitely.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm very glad that you came through and you found your own way through it uh, mm-hmm. and out the other side with sewing. So <clears throat> Tell us about the early years of your business. What what were your biggest challenges?
0: The biggest challenge was the juggling everything around the children. Um and, and the sleep deprivation, having a newborn, trying to because obviously when you when you first start a new business, you've got to put your all into it. And at one stage, you know, I was up up, you know, I, I did the majority of my sewing at night. So once the kids had gone to bed, I would then be sewing. I'd sometimes stay up till two, three o'clock in the morning, sometimes sewing. Then I'd be up in the middle of the night, breastfeeding, feeding Grace, you know, and then obviously I'd be up early in the morning dealing with the other two who were four and three at the time. And I don't know how I did it on such little sleep. But yeah, the the early days, I think what I was really good at, and it's only through going through the coaching journey with you, Una, that I realised that I was actually really good at building relationships with people on social media when I didn't even realize that I was doing it because I'm such an open person and I wear my heart on my sleeves I would openly do posts about you know my young kids and how I'd been struggling or you know I remember there was a post if I look back on my Facebook, there was a little post that I did. It was me and Grace in bed. Grace was probably only about six months old or something. They were just me, featuring me, just woken up with little Grace next to me. And I think the caption that I did was, you know, all about you know having to juggle the kids in the day and the fact that I only did sewing of an evening and you know that kind of thing. And off the back of that a really really good friend of me messaged me after reading that and she actually offered to look after all three girls on a you know for a full day so I could catch up on my orders so I actually went to her house you know we'd arranged that I took the three girls to her house she had like you know decor set up in a garden where she made like floral wreaths with them all and took pictures it was a fantastic day and I just set up took my sewing machine with me, I set up in her front room and caught up on quite a lot of orders. And, yeah, it was so nice ever to offer that. So, yeah, so I feel like I was able to grow my audience and I didn't really know what I'd done well, but looking back, that's, that's what I did and that's what I've obviously got, you know, not skills in, but, you know, it's part of my personality that people you know, can relate to me because I'm I'm a real person. I'm just like them. I'm a busy mum juggling everything, and on a daily basis, going nuts and having meltdowns left, right, and centre.
1: Well, hopefully, fewer meltdowns than you used to have.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, actually, you know, that is so true. Yeah, i yeah, it is so true. I I, I am. I, I probably will never be a calm and chilled personality, but I am the overwhelm that I used to experience before. I started my coaching journey, I would probably say I was having moments of like pure despair, overwhelm, probably on a weekly basis. And, you know, I still have elements of overwhelm, you know, but probably, you know... I put, maybe like once every couple of months than on a week basis. You know what I mean? So, I'm still not perfect and I've still got a long way to go. But yeah, I'm dealing with the stresses of, you know, everyday life, running a business, three young kids, you know, being a mom. I'm dealing with it so much better than I ever had before. And a lot of that has come down to the coaching and definitely the mindset training. That I did as part of your of the journey that I had with you, which was really good, really good.
1: Absolutely. And that's that's why you know, that's why we take a holistic approach and mm-hmm. make sure that people are dealing with the mindset challenges. We're looking at the strategy, we're looking at what has them in flow, you know, and that that thing of your relationship building, your sharing on social media, you know, attracting a following is very much who you are and what you do naturally. And it's about structuring the business around who you are and to make sure that you get to be more and more in flow. And that's, you know, that's what we've been focusing on. And and this is, you know, it's, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because actually, I tell you what I want to do is just, let's just talk a little bit about your business model, because there are lots of people who have e-commerce sites where they're selling things online. And um, will you just explain to to our listeners what like how do you approach that
0: so my business model is basically made to order so the way that I do it is I source the fabrics and the fabrics have to just be they have to have the Pops edge to basically make it on my shelf I know instantly when I see a fabric I think I have to have that one and when I get that feeling that's the one and it, I probably have far too many fabrics on that, but I've got no restraint when it comes to fabric. And I know you have the same issue Una, So you can't call me for
1: that. I, I, I don't know what you mean, she says. <laughs> the cup in the corner, that's overflowing. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, so obviously I have my fabrics and then I've, so I, so the fabrics probably change every six to eight weeks, depending on how fast they sell out, et cetera. And then I have the same items that I make in these different items so when customers stumble across my business and they go onto my facebook page or my website or my Pop texture group they will be able to see examples of this fabric made into this item or this fabric made into that item and what's fantastic about it is the mum if they absolutely fall in love with um, a fabric they can have that fabric made in absolutely any item they want And again, I've got absolutely hundreds of items. I I, I look at my website, I think maybe I need to rein this in a little bit, but a lot of my new products come off the back of custom requests. So mums will have this idea and they'll, they'll come to me and say, I absolutely love this fabric, Debbie. Please, 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 can you make this, but can you add this, this and this? And I'll go, yeah, no problem. Because once you know the basis of sewing, I know that I can pretty much make any garment for a a child, anything. I can can just do it. I just look at it. I picture it in my head and I can make it. And then I'll make this said request and then I'll look at it. And the only, the emoji I can describe is, you know, the the yellow emoji with the star eyes. Yeah, yeah. Well, if something something (laughs) makes my eyes both starry when I lift it up and I've made it, I have to, I'm I'm like, this is going to have to go on the website because I know that if I love it and it makes me feel like that, I know that 99% of mums are going to feel the exact same, the same way. And what I love about my items is, you know, you can't find them on the high street. They're really, really unusual, you know. And when I know for a fact, because I am a mum myself and I've had this same journey with my own children. When that item comes through the post and you open it, not only do you think like, oh my God, how gorgeous. Oh my God, how adorable is your baby? And that is like proud mummy moment. That is what everyone, every mum wants to hear because your baby is the most special thing ever. I mean, my clothes have always been sustainable and ethical anyway in the way that I source my fabric, in the way that I make them. But I've actually launched a pre-loved collection on my website now, which I'm really, really proud of. And it's something that I've thought about for so long, but I, I, I probably only had the confidence to actually do it Off doing the coaching and knowing that I had the time to do it, understanding like the the logistics behind it as well. So I have a buyback service. So say for example, a mum will order a romper for their little little baby, the baby will wear the romper, you know, time and time again, my items last so long, they wash so well. You know, mums tell me this all the time. Once that romper, very sadly, because mums do not like giving me rompers back because they're like, no, I love it so much. But once the time comes and the romper doesn't fit anymore. That mummy then can then send that romper back to me and I will buy the romper back from them. So the buyback service. So not only are they doing their bit for the environment, the piece of clothing they bought from me, you know, six, 12 months ago is actually an investment piece because they know that I'm going to buy that item back from them. And again, the price of the buyback depends on the, the condition. So if it's an excellent condition, and to be to be honest with you, the majority of items that I get back are in absolutely immaculate condition because people love my items so much. They look after them. They really do. And because the majority of them are the the, the baby's favourite, you know, that's what they, it's the favourite outfit for their baby. So, you know, they look after them. And when they come back, I will then have a look at them. I'll photograph them, you know, photograph them all. And then I'll put them on the website for the pre-love. So every month I do a pre-love drop. So I started it in February. So February, March, April, May. So I've done four pre-love collection drops. I do it via my newsletter first so that my newsletter subscribers get first dibs because these pre-loved items, they go like that super, super quick. But it's been really, really successful. And a lot of my customers are like, oh, I can't wait for the pre-love drop because everybody loves a bargain. But everybody loves the fact that, you know, they've got an item of of clothing that they absolutely love and they know it's been cherished. I just, yeah, I just love. I love the pre loved. I love the, the fact some of my items are all like child number six. It, it's it's brilliant. And when they come back to me as well, I remember making them all. Yeah, I love it.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. And it's a, it's a. I think it's such a clever business model because number one, you get paid before you make. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a great way <laughs> to be conducting your business. Yeah. You're not left with any stock that you can't no. sell, right? So, I mean, may, I guess maybe, have you occasionally had a fabric that you're like, oh, no one's buying this fabric?
0: Yeah, the, occasionally there, there's the old fabric. And I always, it, it tends to always be like a, an either unisex fabric with more, like the more muted tones. I always have like one fabric which is a little bit less like, wow and vibrant just so you know because not everybody loves like the rainbow stripes and the wow colors and the it, it tends to be a fabric like that but i i honestly think those fabrics don't sell as well as the others because of me because i don't put pictures of that fabric on the social media platforms as much as the others because I don't like it as much. I mean, I still like it because it wouldn't it wouldn't hit the lollipop shelf otherwise. But because I'm all about the rainbows and the wow and the like, oh my god, it's my own fault. So if I actually dedicated the same amount of you know posts to each fabric, they would probably all sell.
1: It's interesting though, because are those fabrics aligned with your brand? I would say so. Yes. So will you take that as an action? To actually yeah. take one of those fabrics that is that you don't love quite as much as the others, yeah, and and go and promote it. I'm curious to yeah. see what would happen. I'm no, curious. I know,
0: I know it's true. I've, I've done it. I've done it myself. I've done it myself, and and been like, I thought, what you know, I had I had this absolutely gorgeous. In fact, I, I've got I'm looking at it now, I had this gorgeous oh, like show uh, us, show lovely, us. It's, <laughs> a, it's absolutely beautiful, like a lovely pale oh, pink yes. box color, which is gorgeous, yeah. and I thought. Why is that not sold? Because every time I've made like a romper, and I'm like, oh my god, it's gorgeous! This, and then I scroll back through my Instagram for it, and literally there is one picture of it right at the start when I first launched the fabric, and I thought, no wonder it's not sold because people aren't seeing it. Right. So that is definitely a lesson from anybody, you know, running their own business. People only buy what they see. You know, I could have a thousand gorgeous fabrics on my website but if they just sat there on the website and I'm not doing my bit to promote them then people don't know that they're there yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> that, that that is so so true and I think quite often like there's a lot of conversation about visibility like, it, you know because the same applies in services right not not just with mm. products so and so while you can have a person being visible you know the business owner kind of the front face of the business but if the actual what they offer isn't visible then yeah the same thing applies if they can't yes yeah. you know if they don't know about it just, how are they going to buy it well well actually they they can't <laughs> so yeah very true and you also have a just going back to the ethical and sustainability side of this you also have a free report don't you that people can get
0: Yes. So, yeah, it's um, five shocking facts that you need to know before you buy your next baby items or baby clothing. And I, again, off the back of the coaching journey, it, you really made me kind of look into your baby clothing is made because, and I've done it myself as a mum, when you find out like you're pregnant, the first thing you want you you do is that like you start looking at all these gorgeous baby clothes. Oh, my God. Like, Look how cute this is. Look how cute this is. Never once until I started making my own baby clothes did I actually ask the question, who's actually made this item? And when I went on, you know, to Google and did some research about where do these baby clothes come from, it makes for absolute shocking reading. I was, I was, some facts that I found out, I was appalled, to be honest. And it really did make me step back and 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 think about you know, where I'm actually buying my children. I mean, I make a lot of my children's clothes in any way, but like the stuff that I'm not buying, it really did make me sit back and think about where I'm going to be buying my children's clothes, clothes for in future. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I will make sure to have that link available for you. Yeah, it it is, it's very eye-opening. And I think just the very thing of when you start sewing and then you look at what's available and you think, well, Hang on a minute. I know it takes me X amount of time to produce something like that. How can they possibly sell it for that price? Mm,
0: yeah. I think I think one of of the lines in that report is how how can a shop sell a t-shirt at £1.80? You don't want to know, but you really do need to know. Mm. Like that's that's why. And it is because and I think sometimes people have the have a perception of, like, oh, handmade, handmade clothing, it, it, it's it's cheaper to buy, you know. It's like, but you know, I don't know. Maybe it stems from like, you know, maybe like I always say the olden days, it's probably not the, the olden days, but when people used to make a lot of their own clothes and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and maybe because they didn't have the machinery and that kind of thing, I think maybe handmade clothes weren't the best quality and they did fall apart to part of the seams and, and that kind of thing. But handmade in this generation now, that is definitely not the case, and like the quality you know and the and the love and the effort that goes that goes into making you know not just children's clothing Anyhow, any because I know you make a lot of your own clothes now you know as well, and they do last so long and going back to the whole like you know people really look after my items when you know that you've chosen that fabric, you've chosen the the item. You know the person that's made it. You know the love that's gone, you know, gone into it, and you know the quality and how much it lasts. It makes you appreciate that Peter clothing so much more. You know, if I went and bought a T-shirt for my little one for nursery for like, you know, two pound, if it got, you know, tomato ketchup slop down the front, I'd be like, oh, I only cost me two pound. And next thing you know, that's in the bin, and you know, the, you look at the state of the landfill in the country, you know, and I think it's about. I'm the to educate mums on, you know, how to buy less children's clothing but wear them more. Buy, you know, spend that little bit more, you know, because my prices are not extortionate. I I try and keep mine, you know. What, what you know that they're accessible to all, especially with my pre lunch collection as well. But buying, you know, buying less, paying a little bit more, but wearing them for so much longer and knowing that you can actually get some of your money back by taking part
1: in the buyback service as well. And so I'm really proud of that. Absolutely. And then it's not yeah. not only do you get your money back, it's not yeah. going into landfill. Yeah. And yeah. the and, child and parents get to enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And you know what I've done as well? They've not arrived yet, but I've had these little labels designed. So I'm going to sew these labels inside my items. I'm so excited about this. And it'll say, well, look, obviously my logo, Lollapops, and it'll have hashtag Lollapops pre-loved. And then it, it's it's got a space to say loved by. So I'm going to get ask the mum to put the little girl's or boy's name in. Oh, and then on the back on on the back of the label when they send it back to me, and the next person gets it on the back of the label it says and then space and then space. So there's about five lines where everyone can put the little little boy or little girl's name on. So it's like a little each item is going to have a little history, a little journey of the Lollapop's item. So, yeah, I'm dead excited about it.
1: Okay, as you're listening here, I'm literally dancing in my seat. (laughs) I love, love, love this idea. Not only is it really cute and adorable, it's also very, very clever. Because that is literally, when that person gets that pre-loved item or they see this on social media, they're going to be, wow, you know, four more people could have this? gosh, this must be amazing quality. And I know yeah. you've told me stories where you've had a client, had customers who've told you, oh yeah, so and so had us." and then they passed it to me, and then I passed it to them and I passed mm-hmm. it to them. And now I've had another child has come back to me and you know, those kinds yeah. of things. And uh, so this this illustrates it perfectly. Love, love, love this idea. So yeah. so good. So yeah. good. I'm excited. Can't wait. Fantastic. So you know, I mean you You started going, obviously, he never had any business training. And this applies to a lot of business owners. And even, you know, if you're a regular listener, you'll know. You know, I had sales experience, I had marketing and sales qualifications, I had a business degree, and actually none of that prepared me for running my own business when I first started. So, and you're, you're in the same position, essentially, you didn't, you didn't even have that, you know, you went from being a teacher to setting this up. But very much your natural strengths, by doing what had you in flow in the beginning allowed you to grow your business to a certain level. And then we started working together and actually really structuring things. So I know there were some ideas that, um, that you wanted to discuss around you know, yeah. what you're going to do moving forward. And actually, just before we get into that, I just also want to talk about, you know, what are the other kind of challenges? Is that in terms of you actually growing your team, which actually goes back to our theme earlier about asking for and getting help and being able to let go as well let's talk about that a bit
0: oh yeah that that has been a real hurdle and I think it stems from my teaching background because I hate delegating because I never feel like anybody can do as good a job as me I don't trust people to do a good good, as you know a good job I it, it really frustrates me when I Finally, do trust somebody to do something. It's not right, and then I just end up just doing it all myself as well. So I just think, what's the point to do it myself? But over the last twelve months, it's made me realise if I want to do you know X, Y, and Z, and and do all these brilliant ideas I've got to grow my business further, I can't be sat behind my sewing machine for hours and hours and hours every single day. And I got to the stage where I was getting frustrated when I was having to do all that sewing, and it's taken me a long, long time, but. I've I don't know and I, I I can only describe it as you can only start outsourcing your business when you feel ready. Because I, I did outsource maybe like I don't know two or three years in. I employed my sister, who is one of the best workers I've ever had in my life, the most reliable person ever. She still comes, you know, every now and again when she's got a day off to help me. You know, brilliant. I can't fault her. But looking back, I employed her. Well, A, I gave her an employment contract when I didn't actually realize what was entailed and being, being a boss, you know, all the holiday pay stuff, all the PAYE stuff, all the, the admin stuff that I am just not confident with at all. So that brought in itself like an extra level of pressure. And then I didn't really consider, you know, the fact that I've got this person working for me for X amount of hours. I'm going to have to physically pay that person then, which I did but well, then that resulted in me paying that person and then me working myself to the bone every single day and actually not, not paying myself. So, so that, that kind of had to come to an end because, and it was, it was awful at the time, And obviously it was my sister, I, but I realised that it, it, I'd made the wrong decision. I'd, I'd employed somebody when mainly to suit them rather than suit myself and suit my business. So I kind of got burned and it it, it almost led me to just throwing the towel in, thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not for me. I don't want the stress. And that then caused a massive block of ever asking for help in the future. So again, it's only in the last like 10 months again, (laughs) where I've actually thought, no, if I really want to grow this business and reach my full potential because i know i've got so much more to give in this business for sure i've got to start i've got to start asking for help so i have somebody coming excuse me once a week on a monday cutting out for me and it's a really nice story actually behind this there's a story behind everything in my business the girl (laughs) that comes cutting out for me is called martina and i used to teach her I used to be a PE teacher which is lovely and she just randomly messaged me during lockdown she she she's got a little bit of a background in textiles etc and she just off the you know out of the blue just asked me if I if I had any roles going and at the time in lockdown I didn't because I didn't really know what was going on in lockdown but once we came out of lockdown she was a person that had kind of stuck in my head and through the coaching journey I was like I need to get in touch with her so I did she came round so she comes every single Monday now. She does most of the cutting out for me, which is a massive, massive help. And then just recently, and it was dead scary, because nobody has ever sewn any item in the whole seven years I've been doing Lola Pops. But I've just taken on two freelance seamstresses. So one of them can't actually start until September because she's on maternity leave at the minute. But another person, it's so weird how it happens. She literally lives down the road and... <clears throat> sewing is one of them hobbies that you don't really talk about to people that don't sew because people think it's a bit geeky. I mean, I think it's like brilliant, but I don't have any sewing friends. So because you don't talk about sewing to other people, you don't know anybody else that's, that sews. And because I put this advert out just on social media, this girl found it and she lives like five minutes walk from her house. So it's absolutely perfect. So she's saying, she's sewing her fourth batch of items so i started her off on the on the nice simple easy items and then i'm building it up over the weeks but so far it's been amazing the stuff's come back it's been fantastic and all my fears of you know somebody taking the items sewing them and they're falling to bits and they're not the best quality and that kind of thing i look at them and i think can I even tell you know if you if you lined up this item and that item i'd made one lauren's made the other There's absolutely no difference and that has kind of, my fears have gone now and I'm really looking forward to getting in more orders so her batches are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger whereas before I think I got into a bit of a habit of like maybe repelling orders because subconsciously I was thinking, especially after fabric launches that I've been really busy, like oh no, like I'm dead happy that I've got loads of orders but how am I physically going to fulfil all these orders? Within my two to three week turnaround, I was during, it was the end of February. I was absolutely stressed to death. I was swamped. I couldn't, I couldn't move away from my sewing machine because I just had so much to do. And it was that, that, that was the turning point where I thought to myself, I'm not doing this anymore. I've got to get some help. So I just did it and I'm dead glad I have done now. So yeah. Well, yes, I've got a little tea. Now, anyway.
1: <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I remember us talking about this at the beginning of our journey together, and you know, you you sharing what what had happened. And you know, it's it's really not uncommon, you know. It so much of the time when people first hire, they're in the midst of this overwhelm, and they're not even clear what the hiring people to do mm. or what difference that is going to make to their business. So number one. If you're not paying yourself, you probably don't want to be paying other people. <laughs> I think a key yeah. takeaway. And and the other is like, you've got to get really clear on, okay, so what specifically are you going to have somebody do? And one of the things we talked about was testing. I can't wait for there to be the time where you actually have got a whole team of people who are doing different things within the business and allowing you to to focus on the bits where you have the most fun where you add the most value and where everybody gets to be in flow and doing what they're good at and what makes a difference and and I, I think sometimes people don't have the the quality Procedures in place, so like if it with a product based business, obviously someone's manufacturing for you. You need to be looking at it and seeing, mm-hmm. and nipping anything in the bud. So a few months down the road, you know, then want to make sure the standard's still there, you know. And then because sometimes people that like kind of they pay more attention when they first start doing a new job, when they first yeah. start working with a new client, and so it's making sure that 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 quality stays. But it's also about just having that clarity. So now that you're freed up from all of the sewing, so you do some of the sewing, but you, you, know, you freed up some of your sewing and cutting time yeah. through these team members. And that now allows you to work on the business. And one of the things that we've talked about is you having a subscription box.
0: It's an idea that I've had for the last couple of years, but I've never really been in a position where I've got the time to be able to think about how I'm going to do this and properly. So at the minute, I'm just in the middle of organizing some focus groups. So I've got an, a Facebook community group called Lola Pops Extra, obviously on Facebook. You know, what is it that they want in these subscription boxes? So my idea is, you know, want some, you know, a little baby item come in, matching accessories, something for mum. But I want to know what, it, what what is it that they want in these boxes? So as a new mum, and I'm thinking about having maybe two different boxes, so one to like a brand new mum. and the idea in my head is I want to call it my first Lollipops wardrobe, which I think is so cute because that's exactly what it is. And within the subscription, depending on this, the seasons of the year, and I might even make it totally exclusive. So the fabrics that you get inside these uh, subscription boxes, they're not available on the website. I wouldn't say my business is seasonal, but there are, you know, it is a little bit of a roller coaster and there's some months where I'm absolutely chock-a-blocker. Like I know in the next couple of weeks, middle of June, I'm launching a summer collection. I'm going to be absolutely busy as anything. At the minute, I'm in a little bit of a lull because people are kind of hanging on because they want to know what the new summer fabrics are. So I want to be able to have an element of my business where I have a consistent revenue as well. So that I don't go back into the whole, you, you put it really well, and I can't remember how you described it, but it was like a feast and famine, I think you, you yep. said. You know, you get all the orders in, you're dead busy work, working in your business, sewing all these orders. Yes, you finally get all the orders done, and then you think, oh, nobody's ordered for a few days. And it was I, I was constantly in that feast and famine, feast and famine, and that's where the overwhelm comes in, where I don't have that anymore because I've got my business to a stage now where I get... Regular orders consistently every day, which is brilliant.
1: Well, I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> <We're in time laughs> yeah. One of the first things that I I work with clients on is good to hear that you're now kind of really fully implementing that. And so I think probably what's happened is that you've you've needed to have that consistency of sales coming in. Okay, mm. dealing with the mindset stuff around boundaries around money you know around valuing yourself you know and and having those things in place has probably made you go okay well actually instead of sewing that romper I'm going to eat or I'm going to exercise because I know you know you're not operating from a place of lack anymore from a place of I have to give 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 in order to you know be able to survive is, you know, now it's like no, you've got a business where sales are coming in every day because of the structures that we've put in place and all, all of these mm. activities Think, you know, So, so, so you've got to think about in terms of just making sure that that downtime is real downtime around your yeah. messages, okay? And that. So then, in terms of the subscription box, what's your biggest challenge that you're facing with that?
0: My biggest challenge at the minute is to kind of I'm still, I'm still not hundred percent at the position where I'm ready to kind of launch it and like take it out of the world. I feel like I need to do a bit more planning behind the scenes to really, you know, nail who my ideal client is, who am I aiming this box at? Because what I don't want to do is launch this, you know, subscription box and then, you know, one or two people subscribe. I want to be able to launch it and it be a success because for me, there's no point doing a subscription box when you've got five subscribers, you know, then five subscribers may as well just go on the website and order through the website. I want the subscription box to take my customers on, you know, an amazing journey, you know, especially the the, the first, the first year, my first Potts wardrobe idea. I want it to be super special for that moment. So I feel like I need a little bit more planning time to work out exactly how I'm going to, plan the launch of it I'm I'm even thinking about maybe having like an exclusive another like exclusive Facebook group just for people who subscribe to my boxes and doing something extra you know like kind of giving the mum like added value so looking at you know sharing mummy tips or mummy hacks or inviting in guests to that group you know so like sleep specialists or you know maybe like to Talk to him about car seats. I've got so many ideas that that I can implement, but I, I think I'm probably another six to 12 months off actually launching that and launching it to the point where I know it's going to be amazing. So I'm dead excited about that
1: what kind of price point are you thinking of for this
0: again it will this week i'm actually organizing the focus group so i've asked for around about 10 as my from inside my loyal pops extra group <clears throat> to jump on a zoom with me so i'm organizing that so i think the price point i'll be more clear when i've spoken to them about it but in my head at the minute, I'm probably thinking around about the thirty-five to forty-five. Sorry, 30, 35 to forty pound a month mark per month for the box. That's what sits comfortably with me. But I need to have a serious look at, you know, what the mums are wanting in the box because obviously that will that will in, impact on how much the, the actual box is going to be worth. But I I'm comfortable with thirty-five to forty pound, and again, it will t- depend on size of clothes etc but yeah around about that but whether I should be charging more I don't know because this comes back to the money mindset thing again I don't know
1: okay so so with the focus group have you got two different focus groups one for new mums and others yes one? Yeah, So I've got okay, two good
0: yeah two focus groups so one one for more like toddler mums so my idea is the first box is going to be aimed at my first Pot's wardrobe so somebody who you know the perfect baby shower gift is in my head. And that will take them through the first you know, the first 12 months, it's gonna be a beautiful birthday outfit in the last box. It's gonna be amazing. And then because when I was thinking about it, launching the subscription box, I've already got such a brilliant, loyal customer base. I feel like they're gonna be a bit jealous of like, where's my subscription box? So that's why I need a second subscription box for the mums who already have the babies, who already love my stuff, who want this exclusive fabric, you know, and maybe having an idea of you know they can subscribe to the box and they can you know tick what size their child is and then obviously depending on which number box it is I will then up the size or it, even inside the Facebook group there's I might do a post where they can tell me if they need need me to size up or you know there's so many logistics because each box will technically be like geared to like it's like a unique box per. Per, per, you know because obviously it depends if it's a little boy a little girl it might be unisex if the baby's not here yet so there's got to be planning involved to make sure that I'm catering for all those different elements so yeah subscription boxes there's probably easier ways of doing subscription boxes but I don't do things easy <laughs> I like to challenge myself. But I know when I launch this subscription box, it's gonna be the best subscription box ever. And there's, there's nothing out there. There's nothing out there that's offering. Well, there's nothing out there, a business of my size offering the buyback and the pre-loved collection. So I feel like that's making me stand out at the minute. And I know that this subscription box is gonna be the next level of like, wow, this business is like something else. So yeah.
1: Way. you know it's interesting because like how many times have i tried to get you to slow down in this working? Lords. Lords. this is the one time i actually think you should speed up really yeah not speed up in terms of not planning and working out the logistics because you're right there there is a lot mm-hmm. there but because subscription box is boxes are such a growth area in business it, it's gonna really really help you from a pr perspective if you're the first to do it in the way that you're going to do so from that point of view being first to market actually would get you a lot of exposure help you to bring in a lot of new clients you know because subscription subscription boxes for a product-based business are fantastic and particularly for a handmade one where they can be so exclusive as well and so neat you know because the thing is is that It allows you with your existing customers, it allows you to increase the number of transactions that immediately multiplies the customer lifetime value and your profitability, because, you know, as you say, you're able to do something a lot more predictably with this, yet still keep your edge in terms of, well, actually each box is, you know, going to, you know, not every box is going to be exactly the same, just just purely because of ages and gender. Right. Mm. And so, but also when you have new clients who come in for subscription boxes or who are buying gifts, is that then that then brings a whole new audience who then will learn to shop on your website. Again, you have added transactions per customer. And I just, it's, it just can have this kind of snowball, positive snowball effect of you getting more customers and more customers who are buying more from you. Have you, have you asked, your Facebook group, and your newsletter list, what age their, their children are?
0: I'm not, I'm not asked the question, but I know because I know. I feel like I know my, my customers on a personal Do you know level. I know what? know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and actually, that, that's one thing I wanted to mention, actually, because what I've noticed in my collections is I don't sell a lot of the not to three and three to six months baby items and when I've spoken to customers about it it's because people don't want to be well it's because they don't last long enough you know because the babies are growing so fast within the first six months so it's really got me my brains my cogs uh, turning and I'm actually going to be launching a grow with me section so I'm gonna to be re, totally revamp revamp revamping my uh, baby collection and rather than having not to three months, three to six months, all my baby items are gonna be sized not to six months. I'm gonna be making them with like extra poppers so that there's room to grow. I'm going to be having little hidden drawstrings in the side seams to be able to lengthen the body. I've got so many like extra cuffs so you can like turn them over because I know that my ideal client is the brand new mums. But I'm finding that a lot of people will only start buying my items when they're about six months old because they don't wanna buy clothes that the baby only wears once or twice. Whereas with this subscription box, you know, as a new mum, if they, if they buy my subscription box, all the items that they receive in the first six months are going to be not to six months and I guarantee that the first item they receive when their baby's newborn, they'll still be wearing that when the last box arrives because that's how long they'll last. So it's creating a capsule wardrobe for their new baby. And it's educating mums how to actually do that. And I'm actually working at, at the minute, I'm working on a new lead magnet around building a capsule wardrobe for your baby. You know, five easy steps on, on what to do and how to do that. Because as a new mum, you don't, people, I, I don't know how to build a capsule wardrobe for myself, but I know I have to do one for, for a baby and it's really easy. And it goes back to the whole buy less, wear more yeah. ethos. Okay. Definitely.
1: So so this so all right so here's a question you're talking about revamping the baby section of your website changing mm-hmm. your operations to sew things changing the design and the, mm-hmm. and the production of clothes but right now you have got an active audience that is the majority of which are in the six months plus yeah that you could be I I actually think you should reverse it so I think you should launch the subscription box for not for the newborns, but the okay, other ones. Okay, yeah. First, that's
0: interesting.
1: To mm. give you time and stability to then make all those other changes.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're completely right. Mm. Yeah, because I've already got I've already got the the audience for that second box idea.
1: Exactly. And I, I know reckon, mm-hmm, beg your pardon, go on. Yeah.
0: So I was gonna say I know, I know I even know now I know at least ten people off the top of my head from a lower potential group who will subscribe because they 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 have to have it. <laughs> that's
1: Absolutely. What,
0: that's what my yeah my clothing is. I, makes me I
1: reckon you could hmm. just launch into your newsletter list and your Facebook group. I anticipate, I've just been working out the numbers, and I reckon you would get somewhere between twenty five to fifty. Sales, mm-hmm. just from the people who yeah. you already have in your existing audience.
0: Yeah, and then having like, because I was thinking about having like three options of like three month subscription, six month subscription, twelve month subscription. I don't know. No, those are the sort of things that I need to think about. Yeah, but no, it's it's exciting, and the fact that I've got the team now helping me with you know helping me to free up my time, I feel like. I've got the time to be able to sit down and to plan it properly. Whereas before, whenever I've launched anything new, it's literally been rush job. You know, sometimes I've been up till, you know, like, you know, photo shoots. I've been up till two o'clock that morning sewing samples and then rocking up going, oh, my God, I've only had three hours sleep. But, hey, let's crack on. Like, I'm getting so much better at seeing what's coming up and getting myself organised. Still not perfect, but I have made so much progress.
1: Absolutely. So so now, when you think about the timescale to launch, what could you do that in now?
0: What are we on now? It's May. I think maybe a good time. I, I think a good time to launch would be like in the lead up to Christmas maybe. So I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, maybe September time. September. Mm. May, June, July or September months. Oh, God, that freaks me out a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah doable that, yeah absolutely I I do think it is doable you know particularly now that you're you know you got to stick with the time blocking. and I know yeah you know for for people with your profile it's really easy to do something and then forget to do it so make sure yeah. like have a weekly reminder in your phone you know whatever mm. day it is that you're you know, you're kind of looking at the week ahead, you know, so if you have that solid structure there, if you're time blocking within every week, you probably just need to adjust it slightly just to fit in with what's happening in your business and life. But put a reminder on your phone that happens the same day, same time every week so that you go, oh, yes. Otherwise, it's easy for those things to fall off. Yeah, okay. particularly because I know you use a paper diary. <laughs> And of no. you don't have the advantage of having recurring appointments that are just no. showing up. I have life.
0: actually. I have started putting things in my Google Calendar, but things like you know, for the like kids' gym competition, holiday dates, that kind of thing. But yeah, so I, I think I will slowly make <laughs> that transition. But it's it's,
1: it's There's it's no problem. Here. Yeah, there's no problem with you having a paper calendar. I mean, at some point, you know, when your team is bigger then you Mm -hmm. may need to have all calendars online and things like that yeah but for now absolutely you can you can stick with your paper calendar you like doing paper and colors and all that that's absolutely fine it's just it's just that play it's just that thing of having a structure in place to make sure that habit doesn't fall away yeah yeah that's that's the only reason i mentioned that i definitely think you could get the launch done for september you focus on that i would I would focus on that to the exclusion of the baby newborn baby stuff. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, if you finish your launch preparation early, mm-hmm. then great. You know, if you finish your launch preparation and you're like, Oh, I've got three weeks in August. Great. I'm going to revamp the baby section. Great. Do yeah. that. But you know, it's like, you know, focus on this one project because you know, here's the thing, right? So at, at 35, pounds so say you had a three-month subscription and say you had 50 people buy that I mean that's over five grand boom five grand in your business so and some people will buy longer subscriptions you know that's just in in the launch phase but you've got to remember like not only have you got those recurring things happen but also you you know you've got new people coming on every month as well and so the activity of kind of making sure that that's happening and getting all of those promotions up and running so that it's not just the launch but then okay well how do we build it from here and then you know so maybe maybe in maybe kind of january you start working on the next subscription box yeah so give yourself the chance to really maximize everything around that uh, in in time for the gift season and to you know to capture all the all the publicity you know from it. Mm. I think that's going to be really key.
0: Yes, me too. No, yeah, it's good.
1: Fantastic. So Debbie, I think, you know, your journey has definitely been inspirational. You know, the emotional lows and emotional highs that, you know, that you've had in your business, well I I, you know, Really trust that the emotional highs will continue <laughs> and, and and you know you're right in what you said actually I want to go back to what you said about if, if it was easy everybody would do it and mm. you're right being a business owner has its challenges yet that's actually how we grow as people is learning to deal with those challenges better and better and so you know i i want to commend you for your growth i can really see that from when we first met to who you're being here today so i really think you should give yourself you know a good pat on the back for that
0: well done (laughs) 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 it's something it's something that you don't you don't do enough of, do you like when like i don't really celebrate my successes i just it's one of them and because i'm such a fast-paced person and i'm an impatient person It's like as soon as you've completed the next one, you don't give yourself time to celebrate and be like, wow, I've done that, that's brilliant. It's because as soon as I've done something, I'm straight on to the next one. So it's like it's like kind of, you know, cutting myself a little bit bit of slack really and actually taking a step back and reflecting on, like, how much I have grown over the last 12 months because, like, just from speaking to you this morning, I've grown a lot, (laughs) which is brilliant. So... Yeah, and, you know, thank you to you as well for, for all your input because, like I said, I, I have learned so much, you know, like learning what I'm doing is 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 right but also, like, how to take myself to the next level. And that's something that, looking back a few years ago, that's something that I've always struggled with because I've always had this little niggle in the back of my brain saying to me, there's, there's got to be a better way, like, what I'm doing is not working and I feel like I'm getting to the stage now where it's not still not 100% there yet but I will I will be able to get to the place that I want to be if I continue you know implementing the strategies that I've picked up along the way with yourself.
1: Absolutely thank you you're very welcome it's it's been a a pleasure working with you and I'm really excited to see where you're going to take the business I, I do think the subscription idea is a very powerful one. I think it would be great for you personally. I think it'd be great for your business. I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic for your customers. You know, if I had young children, I would definitely be buying yeah. that. Honestly,
0: it almost makes me want to buy another one just so I can have my own box because, like that that feeling of like opening a box every month, can't wait. But, yeah, I'm definitely not having any more children. I think I'd be dead if I did. <laughs>
1: I think you have enough on your plate, yeah, right?
0: Now. I think I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Demi. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for so openly sharing your journey. I, I feel a bit emotional myself now, actually, oh. of some of the things that we've talked about. And and I I, I didn't actually really get a chance because I kind of our conversation had s- s- slightly moved on. I didn't really get a chance to you know to to say I'm really sad about your experience around your dad passing. And yeah, it's yeah, you know that's especially for such a shock, you know, my my parents passed away a number of years ago, not in those kinds of circumstances, it was old age. And, And I think for someone to pass away at such a young age and in, you know, so suddenly it is a shock. And I think it does... Impact the dynamics of the family, and I think mm-hmm. you, as second eldest, you know, probably felt a bit of a, a pressure for your younger siblings to be there for them as well, and then experiencing your your own baby loss further on from that. So you've you, you've been through it, you know, but you're strong, you're very strong, and you've come out. And, yeah. But also, just because we're strong doesn't mean that we can't have those. We still need to allow ourselves to experience the grieving process, yeah. Within that, but it's it's just so great to see what you've done with lollipops and and how colorful and fun it is, and the smiles that it brings to people's faces. You know, I have you in my Instagram feed, and when I you know when I see your your posts, I'm kind of like, even though I don't have any kids, like, but it's <laughs> just kind of like oh, that's so cute.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, no, uh, I love it. I'm obsessed. adorable. I'm obsessed. Fantastic.
1: Yeah,
0: no. And thank you, and I've, I've really enjoyed This is my first ever podcast, and I was a little bit nervous, I'll be honest, when I started. But, no, I've loved it. I hope people listening can take, you know, some, something away as well. And I hope that I've helped, you know, people in not just with, you know, surrounding business, just in life in general and being a busy mom, juggling it all. And, you know, with a bit of hard work and a bit of uh, mindset management, you can, you can do it. So... Don't
1: give up if that's you. Absolutely, and a core part of that is learning to prioritize yourself and your own Definitely. goals. Definitely, because then mm-hmm. when you achieve those, you can see the impact that's had. Like I was, I really had, I had such a warm, fuzzy feeling when you were talking about now I'm contributing to the family finances every month, yeah. and I could just hear the pride in your voice you know, <laughs> when you said that. It's fantastic. So, so amazing nuggets here in this. Please, please, please make sure that you take action. You know, write down. What, what was most significant for you take action on it and please debbie where can people reach you we'll put the details in the show notes but where can people find
0: you so facebook at Lola Pops, instagram at Lola Pops, and i've also got a community facebook group which is called Lola Pops extra now that is where all the action takes place obviously i do my social posts on the facebook and instagram but sh- come and join my Lola pop extra group there's loads of fun that goes on in there behind the scenes info i go live in there every week on wednesday i show you what's hot off the machine the sneaky peekies of new fabrics come in i do the odd market night in there as well it's brilliant and there's some brilliant mums it's a great community to be honest with you it's not just all about baby clothes we discuss all sorts of different stuff and i love it it's, i love that group So yeah, that's Lola Pops Extra on Facebook. And of course, my website, lola-pops.com.
1: Fantastic. Debbie, a pleasure as always. Thank you for your time today. And uh, I will say goodbye for now. Thank you, Una. That's all for today, folks. Have you subscribed to get more of this juicy goodness for your business? If not, tap that button now. Remember to check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Did you enjoy and find value in this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed with coaching and workshops based on my impact-driven growth model. Want to know how I can help you to double your profits without spending a penny more on marketing or ads? Let's arrange to hop on a call to discuss your goals and challenges, and I'll show you how. Plus, when you book, I'll send you some free training videos too. Go book now at creatorflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creatorflow.tv forward slash call with Una.